today on Lawyers Rising. If someone's doing something negative with you, then they're probably doing negative stuff with others. Why you should never worry about finding an attorney job. Hello and welcome. I'm joined today by the founder and chief executive of BCG Attorney Search, Harrison Barnes. Harrison, good morning. Good morning. So today we're going to talk about why you should never worry about finding legal work, but perhaps the best way to start this conversation is if somebody is worrying about finding legal work, what do you think they're doing wrong? Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of things uh, you know people may be doing wrong. I mean, the first is they may be doing something wrong, uh, which is most simple. It's just doing something wrong in the job search. I mean, you know, if you're an attorney, I mean, you can always find a job. It's 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 ridiculous to believe that you can't. Just you may not find the kind of job you want. Um, the other two reasons would be you've been doing something wrong in your career, um, or you're just um, you know sending the wrong signals off to the world. You know, if you really can't find a job, then you're probably in the wrong profession. Uh, you know, because attorneys need to be able to sell sell other people. Uh, but they also need to be able to sell themselves. Because they're always looking for top quality talent, um, could a lawyer or a lawyer law student be expecting to be approached to um, find potential work that they don't have to look that hard, that they'll come to you as it were? Yeah. I mean, law students, um, attorneys. I mean, the big thing is, is, you know, if if you're very dedicated at what you do and uh, you know, you work hard and people see you working hard and taking things seriously and being honest and uh, you know, and all the types of things that send off the right signals and people will uh, come to you with work. I mean, even before uh, I went to law school, people used to tell me that I would, you know, if I was ever an attorney, they would want me representing them. And when I was an attorney, I started getting calls from, you know, all sorts of people I knew when I was in college and so forth. And the reason is, is being, even in high school is because I always took whatever I was doing very seriously as the most important thing in the world. And so, you know, in terms of schoolwork and, you know, anything. So if people see you as that type of person and acting like that type of person, then they absolutely want you representing them. I mean, you have to think of the kind of person you'd want representing you if you were an attorney. And, you know, if, if you send off those sort of signals, then, you know, law firms also are going to see that. Uh, you know, so you just need to, you know, look like the kind of person that someone would want to hire. But in the end, you walked away from uh, a legal career. You started the BCG attorney search instead. Um, we, we, if at the risk of getting too personal, I'm curious why you think you maybe weren't well suited to legal work in the end. Well, I think I was very well suited to uh, doing legal work. Uh, you know, I really did enjoy it, and uh, you know, I did very good work, and um, you know, and I was able to solve problems and uh, you know see solutions to problems that other people didn't see. And then um, I was very dedicated and I was able to work hard. But the thing that I didn't like about it is I was very ambitious and I didn't see, uh, you know, in, in terms of working inside of a law firm, I didn't see, uh, I saw a path up that just seemed crazy to me. It didn't, you know, make any sense uh, how um, partners were losing their jobs and, uh, you know, how associates were unhappy. And it was just, it was the environmental things that I didn't like when I was practicing um, and I was in the wrong environments. And uh, I also, from my standpoint, uh, you know, I worked in two separate legal environments. I worked in one, uh, you know, where when I quit, uh, the head of the firm came by and talked to me, uh, you know, and a very famous attorney. And I said, well, you know, it's just, you know, it seems just like, why would you put all your time into this when it's just kind of a crapshoot if you're going to make partner or not? And he said, well, you know, it's just, you know, it really comes down to the hours you build. So-and-so build, 
you know, didn't make partner and was asked to leave the firm because they only billed 2,800 hours and the person that made partner billed 3,200 hours. And I just thought to myself, this is just lunacy, you know, like, <laughs> you know, if, if your whole career is based on how many hours you bill, you know, that's not how I want to be judged. I want to be judged for my legal skills. Um, and then, you know, after that, I went to another firm and, um, and, and that was, you know, having issues too. And so I just, this, for me, that was a structural issues and not being able to be in control of my own career. I just didn't see that at the time. And I felt like I could achieve uh, much more uh, on my own doing something that had nothing to do with practicing law. Um, and I believe that I could, uh, you know, have more security and make a better living and ultimately be happier. And I was right. But, you know, in terms of practicing law, uh, you know, it, I loved it. You know, I just... Um, my problems were related to, um, you know, me and how I saw the world and the fact that, uh, you know, I didn't believe I could be happy in the legal environments that I'd seen. And I, in retrospect, I, if I probably was wrong, uh, you know, I probably could have been happy, but, um, I just didn't, you know, have the patience to do that. Well, you mentioned earlier that you found some success early on because you were a serious kid and then a serious student and, and people noticed that. And I wonder if we could concentrate on some of the other skills that one should develop if they're going to become desirable in this marketplace. Um, I wanted to start with how important is it to find people to find an interest in you? As you mentioned, people were approaching you when you were a younger guy because you seemed to be a serious person. How important is that to find someone to take an interest in you? Well, I'm not as serious now as I was back then. Uh, but, you know, but um, it's very important when powerful people take an interest in you, lots of things happen. I mean, you know, getting into a school like Stanford Law School or Yale or something like that, a lot of times is 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 actually an informal process. It's like, you know, anybody can apply. There's, you know, uh, Yale and Harvard and all these types of schools could fill their classes with people with perfect LSATs and perfect grade point averages if they wanted to. Uh, and they they don't. Um, they fill them with people typically that are, uh, you know, have very strong recommendations from very powerful people inside of, you know, colleges and so forth. Uh, and, and that really makes a difference, uh, you know. And, and so it's the same thing with uh, working inside of a law firm. You know, you need to have uh, very powerful people, uh, you know, take an interest in you. Those are the people, um, you know, that have, uh, you know, the most business typically. Uh, and those are people, um, you know, that uh, have the power to give you work when you're there and uh, the people that have a lot of pull inside of a law firm. What's amazing to me is, you know, I represent attorneys, uh, you know, lots and lots of attorneys uh, that are looking for jobs. And, you know, and then I represent attorneys that haven't made partner in, in major law firms. And what they'll do, these attorneys all the time, is a lot of times when they get nominated for a partnership, like uh, a, another partner will do a write-up on them, like why they're such a great person to be a partner. Um, and then they'll circulate that to a committee. And um, so attorneys provide these to me all the time. And they're, you know, attorneys from major law firms. And I'll say to them, you know, did this partner write the wrote that have a lot of business? And they'll and invariably, you know, come back and say no. And that will be why the person didn't make partner. And I'm talking to them, you know, so... Um, you know, the, the person that has a lot of business, that has a lot of pull is really the person that, you know, you need to have behind you um, if you're in a, in a major law firm. And that's another reason, you know, when I left the practice of law, I kind of realized that early on. I realized that it wasn't just enough to impress certain people. You had to get on the right foot of, of a couple of different people. And in my office, there were only, 
you know, a couple people that had a lot of business and um, they had come over from another law firm and were very loyal to the people that they'd come over. And I knew there was really no chance for me to make partner there either. So rather than moving around to even another, to a third firm, I left. But yeah, you definitely need powerful people behind you. You kind of uh, touched on what was going to be my next question. What if you are working at a firm, working hard, and you just can't seem to quite find those champions or make a connection with the people that you need to be making a connection? Is it time to move on at that point? Time to look elsewhere if you're not um, kind of building those relationships inside the firm? Well, you know, there's there's two things you can do. So, you know, I mean, the the, the weakest thing to do, actually, I mean, it may seem like one of the strongest, but... The weakest thing to do sometimes is to make friends with these powerful people. But, you know, even making friends with powerful people doesn't always guarantee you'll you'll get access to work or you'll get more, you'll get business. I mean, those powerful people have problems too. I mean, they can be involved in scandals. They can lose major clients. All sorts of bad things can happen to powerful people. So honestly, like the the biggest thing you can do is you can uh, not just make friends with powerful people, but uh, get your own business, uh, you know, or, or bill as many hours as you possibly can. Or, you know, these are things you can do that are, are you know, get a reputation for doing really, really good work um, and being the go-to person for, for all sorts of things. So, you know, taking control doesn't mean relying on other people. In fact, I think relying on other people is, is, the, is, is very risky. I think it's, I think it's extremely risky. I think, you know, the best thing you can do is develop a lot of clients and different types of clients, but many people can't do that, uh, you know, but that should be your goal. Uh, you know, anything someone wants to achieve, they can. So if you concentrate on something long enough uh, and you you read about how to get business and you think about it, you know, opportunities present themselves. And the last thing that I did when I was at a um, practicing law is that was something that I really, you know, even as a second or third year associate, I was like, I need to do this. This is so important. And, you know, just everywhere I went, I, you know, I look for people and I got, I got, I was at a party one day and I met a, um, a guy that was general counsel of a, of a very large, um, financial services firm, you know, that had a huge legal budget. And, um, I was very close to bringing him in as a client and which was just lunacy because it was such a big company and I was so young, but, and I ultimately left. So I didn't. But, you know, if you're looking for to bring in business, you just need to concentrate on that all the time and make that, uh, you know, something that's a real priority for you. We've spoken in the past, just as we have now, about how important it is to kind of navigate the politics inside of a firm. But another part of that is something more altruistic, I think, and that is to be seen as somebody that helps others, that isn't always looking out for themselves. This is a difficult thing to kind of negotiate, I think, that balance between being politically savvy, but also being a good guy. Can you talk a little bit about that, about how important it is to be helpful and at least be seen to be helpful? Well, yeah, and I've been involved in, um, you know, the self-help industry for a long time. And one of the things that's very interesting to me is that a lot of the self-help literature will, will always talk about, you know, helping yourself and doing all these things for yourself. And a lot of the people that really subscribe to a lot of that stuff end up being pretty unhappy, you know, because it's just all about, you know, what can you do for yourself? And there's even religions, you know, that have been founded, uh, like Scientology and other things that will tell people, you know, that, you, you know, it's, it's all about you, um, you know, and so there's benefits to that type of thinking and working on yourself. But the, some of the oldest self-help programs, you know, come from the oldest religions, uh, which would be, you know, you know Christianity or, or Judaism or other, uh, other things. And, um, and those self-help programs typically will talk about uh, the need to 
uh, be externally focused and to help other people and to do things for other people. And the benefit of doing things for other people and helping other people is that helps you connect with other people. And when you connect with other people, uh, that's actually kind of good for our spirit. Um, you know, just thinking about yourself isolates you. And uh, But when you start thinking about other people, uh, that can be very, very beneficial to your spirit. And um, the other thing is, is people that are seen as givers. And that's something that law firms like. And law firms want, um, you know, if, if you're a giver and you do things, people can't say bad things about you. And if they do attack you, um, it's very difficult for them. And the final thing about um, being a giver, though, that's the most important is, you know, people come to the office and they participate in groups because relationships are, are, are something that you can't get. You can't get a relationship by watching Netflix or by reading a book or by, you know, sitting at home, uh, you know, drinking or alone or, you know, <laughs> or whatever people do to unwind or by exercising on your own. And so the relationships and the connection really are what are important. And so if you're a connector and you're giving, that's connecting you to other people. So, you know, when I was practicing law, I, I went out of my way to help others. And, you know, and I was early on in the practice of law, you know, I had, you know, didn't, wasn't very good at um, proofreading things and stuff. And then I got exceptionally good at it and I stopped, started helping other people. And then people started giving me work to do that. So you have to, um, you know, it, it's very important to give to others. Is there a risk that you might be taken advantage of if you're in the position or um, want to be seen as a giver that others might take advantage of that? Do you have to be a little bit savvy if you're going to be um, trying to uh, you know, give as much as possible? I think so, um, but you have to do it in the right way. You need to have you know, some self-confidence when you're giving, but yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you certainly do not want to be taken advantage of. What about um, taking your job seriously? We've talked about this earlier in the conversation, but can we kind of reiterate that point about why it's really important to be seen to be a serious person, that the work you're undertaking is incredibly important to you? I guess, um, I, maybe give some guidance about why that's so important and the best ways to do that. You know, you want to be kind of referable. And so that means, you know, people that are referable are seen as taking their work very seriously. People that aren't referable uh, typically will, you know, talk negatively about clients, they'll complain about their job, uh, they'll cut corners, you know, um, and they'll, they'll do things that that are negative. And, and because if someone's doing something negative with you, you know, then they're probably doing negative stuff with others. And so, you know, one interesting thing was, uh, you know, in terms of the, the work that I do, I mean, I always have, um, I've always had in-house attorneys working here, but I had an attorney that wanted to work for me. Uh, and it was kind of interesting. He was a, a divorce attorney and I don't know why he wanted to, to join up and help the other in-house attorney I had, but he wanted to come here and work. And he said, you know, that he'd done all this work before and he had all these forms and, you know, he would charge a lot more time for, you know, he would basically pad his hours uh, because he'd done a lot of the work before, you know, and then charge people a lot more. And, you know, immediately, uh, you know, I just said, I didn't want anything to do with this guy, you know? So, um, you know, if people are dishonest and not taking their work seriously, they're going to be dishonest with you. And, you know, there's a lot of very dishonest people out there. And part of the job of a of a law firm and a, and a company is to kind of push that kind of people out. But, uh, you know, you need to do the best job you can uh, with everything and be seen as that way. And uh, the problem is, is a lot of people will cut corners, they'll lie, they'll do dishonest things. 
Um, they won't work as hard as they can. Uh, they'll speak negatively about clients, about supervisors, about peers. And the thing I've learned, if someone's talking negatively about someone else to you, that means they're going to do the same thing with you when you're, when you're not around. You know, and um, and if they're talking negatively about their clients, that means they're going to talk negatively about, you know, another client. So you just need to, you know, work hard and um, have a positive reputation and, you know, and do everything you can to do a good work. Earlier, we were talking about how not to be taken advantage of if um, you um, want to emphasize being being a giver in the organization. I wonder if part of that is promoting yourself and having the confidence to promote yourself to others inside the firm. Not always a comfortable thing for people to do. Some people are sort of natural self-aggrandizers. Others are not. And often it's the ones who are not that probably should be. Can you talk a little bit about that, about the importance of promoting yourself? Well, yeah, the people that are, you have to be seen um, in order to get work. So um, that's one of the things. And then you need to be seen sort of in the right way. So different people promote themselves in different ways. Like if you think about someone like Alan Dershowitz, like he did a lot of, you know, he did some important criminal trials and then other people, you know, the media kind of started talking about him. Or, you know, if you think about some of the, the greatest self-promoters out there, I mean, Donald Trump would be a perfect example of him. I mean, the guy was writing books about how great he was when he was in his 30s. I mean, it's just, you know, you, you know, self-promoters. So in order to, to be, you know, the more an attorney is seen in the market uh, for something, uh, the more people are going to want to hire them. And, um, you know, you have to be seen uh, in order to succeed. And, uh, you know, and so being, the more you're seen and, and you have a reputation for doing something, you uh, you know, the more people are going to want to refer work to you. One of the things that's interesting to me and that I simply do not understand is, you know, if you're an attorney and you're working in a certain type of practice area, regardless of what it is, um, I, I, I don't see any reason why, uh, you know, you wouldn't want to uh, write an article or do something about, you know, every single type of issue that you work on that's new and that, you know, has some, you know, and, and, is, and there's something unusual about it or because people will find that and then they'll hire you. Uh, so you always need to be promoting yourself. And when I was practicing law, you know, attorneys have promoted themselves, you know, uh, seemed like they did the best. I mean, I've seen people become judges because they promoted themselves. And um, the more you promote yourself, I mean, the better you're going to do. Do you think that's even more important in the current media landscape with online? I know with, even with your own company, you've really focused on doing blogs, doing podcasts, doing videos. For young lawyers, do you think kind of building that online brand is a good idea, even an important thing to do? Well, I think you need to be careful. Uh, you know, large law firms are, are weird places, uh, you know, and, um, you know, really what they want Um you know, a young attorney really is a commodity. So they just want you putting your head down and being a soldier and working. Uh, they don't like it when attorneys draw uh, negative attention to themselves with, you know, blogs and I would not blogs, but like with social media and so forth. But yeah, I think a young attorney can do can do stuff. I mean, uh, you know, when I was a young attorney, like I got out there and promoted myself. Like I was at a big New York law firm and I decided, you know, as a second year attorney, that I was going to teach law school four hours a week and help, you know, bring, a, you know, that kind of brand and stuff to the law firm. And the law firm couldn't believe it. I mean, they said that no one had ever done this. And, uh, you know, as a young attorney. And so I was out there promoting myself and talking about the work that I did to other young attorneys and, um, you know, and then writing articles about the type of matters I was working on. And so, you know, promoting yourself is a really important thing. And, and 
being seen because very few people do it, and especially attorneys. Like a lot of attorneys are risk averse, and they they expect to um, you know that it's not a good idea to promote themselves. But I think it's a a great idea. I want to cycle back to something you mentioned earlier, which was not to be. Um, talking about others, either at the firm or you know others in the industry behind people's back, um, you know, gossip is sort of part and parcel of just about every industry. But why do you feel so passionately about that? About not being seen to be somebody that's uh, a bit of a backbiter. Well, I think it's important because uh, first of all, you know, negative people, uh, you know, will eventually, you know, people will just want to avoid them. They won't want to have anything whatsoever to do with them. So um, you need to um, avoid uh, negative people uh, and, um, and and not be one of those sorts of people. I mean, everyone, you know, you need to figure out a different channel for your negativity. Uh, you know, if, if you have that negativity, the reason I'm so passionate about it is because, uh, you know, as someone that, you know, runs a company, what, you know, the, the job of a company really, in, in a lot of respects, is to you know, whatever you're doing, whether it's legal recruiting or, you know, you're running your, I mean, whatever the business is, uh, you know, the, the job of a business is to, you know, bring in people that are, you know, getting work done and, and, and doing things with a positive attitude and making sure that the work does and done and people that are people that are happy in, inside the company or the law firm or as happy as possible and to eliminate things that prevent work from being done or that make people unhappy. So when you have negative people inside of a law firm or any organization or people that are dragging other people down, um, that prevents work from getting done and it prevents people from getting happy. I mean, you could drop a really negative person into the happiest law firm in the world. And that person would say that, you know, there's something wrong with everybody here because everybody's happy. <laughs> I'm serious. And yeah. And there's there's other law firms that are paying more money or there's other law firms that have more important work or you know, or um, this is stupid because so-and-so is doing this and this and this. And so, you know, a, a negative person will drag down any environment they go into. And it's just, it's not good for anyone, you know. So I, I think, you know, some of the biggest mistakes that I've made, I mean, you know, I mean, I've, I hired one person once that, um, that, I, that I fired. And, you know, for the next 15 years, the guy was posting anonymous, you know, negative things about me online, you know. And so it's just, I'm very, you know, it's hurt my business. I'm, I'm very passionate about, um, you know, making sure that, you know, the people you surround yourself with are positive. And I've seen law firms, you know, have a lot of problems because of that as well. We've talked before about when it might be a time to, to leave a law firm. And you spoke about how you decided to actually just leave the industry after a while. Maybe that was a mistake. Um, can you talk about making that huge decision about when to walk away when, you know, you can't see any path forward. Uh, It's such an emotional decision. It can often be clouded by emotion. What's the best way to approach making this very all important decision about whether or not to walk away? Well, there comes a time when, um, you know, a law firm just may not be, uh, you know, it'll be working against you and not for you. And, and there's nothing that you can do to change that. And, one of the first things I would say, um, not always, but at least 50% of the time, you know, if a law firm is just throwing off all sorts of negative signals and being negative to you and telling you you have no future there, a lot of times what's going on is they just don't have enough work to have a future for anyone. Because when things are really busy anywhere, um, when I worked at this one law firm, the first law firm I worked at, uh, Quinn Emanuel, um, they had so much work that 
you know, people were doing some of the craziest things. I mean, partners were getting associates pregnant and just like there were open affairs between secretaries and partners and secretaries and associates with people having affairs with both at the same time. I mean, it was just, you know, it's just, you know, and then people doing just crazy things. And this was a long time ago. So the firm is not like that at all in any respect anymore. But they had so much business that, you know, you could make some of the worst mistakes possible and it wouldn't hurt your career. And so, you know, my belief is that a lot of times when firms don't have enough work, it, then then they start telling people like there's all these things wrong with you and that sort of thing. So the big thing I would say, though, is with um you know, when a law firm starts saying things like I, I was working with a girl at a law firm that was exceptional and, um, and she had just great degrees. She'd been at the same firm since she was a summer associate. She had great grades and great background. And then the law firm came to her and they said, well, we're not going to make you partner. And, you know, you, you don't, we're only going to make you counsel. You don't have a future here because, you know, four years ago, someone asked you to do some work on a weekend. You told them you were busy. And she was busy. She was working on something else for someone else. And so, you know, when a law firm starts throwing around, you know, um, junk like that and, you know, then it's probably time to leave because, you know, or, um, you know, if people stop giving you work completely, uh, you know, I was at a firm once and, uh, you know, an associate grabbed a general counsel of a company uh, inappropriately. Uh, you know, on a, on a retreat and people just stopped giving her work completely, you know, so that guy had a problem, you know, so you just have to be careful. And, uh, you know, if you do anything wrong uh, and get in trouble, then, um, you know, you're going to have to leave. So a big part of that is kind of knowing the market and knowing where you possibly can go. Do you, um, do you stay in touch with, and does your firm stay in touch with lawyers who, maybe aren't looking for work right now, but are just trying to get uh, tips and pointers on, on where the market is right now. Like, is that a good idea, I guess, is to stay in, in touch with, uh, say, an attorney search like like BCG Attorney Search? Um, yeah, I mean, I've noticed that a lot of the, the most successful attorneys out there are willing to talk to, um, you know, uh, recruiters all the time. I mean, you know, I was very surprised. I mean, you know, I got a call like once uh, not too long ago from, you know, a, a, a big attorney in Los Angeles that has, you know, $30 million plus in business. And he just called me to check on the market and see what's going on. I mean, I, you know, it's just, just crazy. I mean, and the reason I say that it's crazy is because, you know, a lot of times it's the most, and he ended up moving, by the way, to a huge firm. And it would have been a, you know, seven plus figure placement had I helped him, uh, meaning over a million dollars. Um, and he moved to a couple of people and I didn't, you know, help him with that. But the thing is, is that, you know, the best attorneys, a lot of most of the times are the ones that are talking to recruiters and asking questions because, you know, if you don't, you're operating in the, in the dark. I mean, one of the things that I've always, you know, not paid enough attention to in business has been, you know, looking at spreadsheets and finances and things that are due and what needs to be done and, you know, and uh, what's coming up and what, the, right, you know, and so, so not talking to a recruiter and, and that's insane. And I, I don't do that anymore, but I used to. And, you know, so anybody that um, isn't talking to a recruiter is operating their, their career without a roadmap because you need to know where you can go. You need to know what the market's like. You need to know, you know, if you're in a situation where uh, like, you know, a lot of times like there's certain practice areas, like one practice area might be like antitrust, for example, or, um, you know, there's hardly any antitrust openings out there. So if you're an antitrust attorney and, um, 
you know, you know that there's no jobs out there, then you need to be very careful wherever you're at. Do the best job you can to make it work at your current firm. And, you know, you can't be saying, you know, if things if if I don't get the kind of treatment I want or the kind of work I want, I'm going to march out of here. That's insane. I mean, you have to know what the market's like. And then if a mark, if something does come up, you know, then you have to know about that, too. So you need to be staying in touch with recruiters and understanding the most. Honestly, the, the most successful attorneys are the ones that do that. When I talk to attorneys that call me to find out how the market is, they're always the best attorneys. They're not like, you know, and they're the attorneys with the most confidence and that, you know, that, you know, if they're partners, they're the most successful partners. And if they're associates, they're the most successful associates that are definitely going to be partners. So I just noticed that the most successful attorneys are always talking to me. And um, and that's why I t- think it's so important. What about cold calling other firms or other potential employers just to ask if they have any openings? Is, is that a potential um, avenue to find new work? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the dumbest things that uh, attorneys do is like when they're, um, you know, they're looking for a job, they they don't um, or they're interested. They don't they don't contact firms and see if they have any interest. Like the thing is when, whenever you reach out to someone for help, I mean, think about the times when someone's reached out to you for help. Now, sometimes people will be very rude about it. So if you call a firm and you say, I have this type of background, I would really like some help. You know, um, if somebody asks me for help, I'm going to help them. I mean, if someone, I've had people watch into my business office before and say, you know, um, things like I want to learn about business or I want to learn about the market. And they just show up, literally like off the street. Um, not so much anymore because I'm, because uh, of where I work, it's not as you know centrally located, but anytime I've had offices in major cities, you know, like if I'm into my LA office or something, people will always come in and ask questions and I'll help them. And there's a lot of benefit to that. So yeah, calling employers, uh, even without openings, you send them your, you send them your resume or you just call them um, or march into their office. You can, get a lot of stuff done that way. The funny thing too, I'll tell you about people help, help people they can see. And so um, the funny thing was, is I remember um, each year and when I went to law school at University of Virginia, they would always have a wait list. And the way they would let people in sometimes, I mean, every year is you could walk by there right when classes started and there'd be like, always be like one or two people sitting outside the admissions office. And, um, and then, you know, and then I'd see those people like later in class, you know, or, and, and they would say, well, the way I got in was, you know, I went to the missions office and I said, you know, I'm here um, in case you, in case things open up uh, in the law school, in, in my class. And they said, well, it's not going to matter if you're here. And, but those people always got in, you know, and, um, you know, they were on the wait list just by sitting outside the admissions office right, right when classes started to see if anybody, um, and I thought that was kind of amazing because it showed that. You know, you'd think that the admissions office would be rude and tell them to leave. But, you know, a lot of times it's the people that really put in the effort uh, and, you know, cold call people and show that they're the most interested to get the jobs and get the opportunities. Yeah, you make a good point that if you're right in front of a person, it's easier to or harder to ignore that person or to forget that person if you've actually put a, a face to the name. So to kind of wrap things up, my big takeaway from this conversation is that you got to always be networking. you got to be constantly engaged and involved in your career and thinking about your career and where it's going. Just don't get into that autopilot setting that I think a lot of people do. Right. And the other thing I don't like is just people hiding behind job sites and being anonymous and hoping that people will help them. So everything is about personal relationships and getting in front of people and, uh, you know, letting people know 
um, you know that you're there. And uh, the more you can do that, the better off you're going to be. Thanks for this, Harrison. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this edition of Lawyers Rising. My thanks to Harrison Barnes. If you're an attorney looking for change, go to bcgsearch.com. 